Listener Production. The first time I met Rob Millsy Mills, he started serenading me on a balcony. The rest of my office team were peering through the glass, wondering what on earth was going on. But Rob wasn't making a move or anything. He was just being Rob, bursting into song for no particular reason, as if real life was a musical. And Rob Mills's life since then has been a bit of a musical itself. He first beamed into living rooms, singing, dancing and flirting up a storm on Australian Idol. He famously slept with American socialite Paris Hilton, earning him this super stereotypical bad boy reputation. Do you still keep in contact with Millsy, Robert Mills? Uh, Robert Mills, remember Millsy? But that's not who Rob is. He's since landed some of the most coveted musical theatre leads in Australia. He is really talented on stage. He appeared on Neighbours as Finn Kelly. He's been on The Masked Singer, Celebrity Apprentice, and hosted Young Talent Times Reboot. And he's fallen completely and categorically in love with a woman he first saw presenting the news on his television while eating his morning wheat bix Let's take a look at the weather now with Georgie Tunney. It was mostly sunny and fresh after clear skies and that heavy rain. Up next, the weekend list where Tate McGregor and I recommend what to watch, see, do, eat, listen to this weekend. But first, here's my interview with Rob Mills. Rob Mills, welcome to The Weekend Briefing. I am so excited to have you. It's great to be here on The Weekend. Love a weekend. What's not to love? (laughs) All right. So I want to draw a little bit of an audio portrait for everyone listening. So let me start by asking, what do people know you for and what do you wish they knew you for? Oh, that's good. That's easy. Um, Unfortunately, some people know me for my Australian Idol. And the thing, and the incident that happened soon after that, uh, which I, I don't want to talk about, um, but would love them to know me as the actor, singer, host guy. So you sense. say, unfortunately, they know you for Australian Idol. Why is that unfortunate? No, 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 unfor- no not unfortunate about Australian Idol. It was the incident that happened soon after. Now, I want to ask about Australian Idol. So that's where I first got to know you from afar. And I know you've said publicly that you'd like to host the show if it returned to Australian screens. What is it that makes Idol so watchable? You see the, dare I say, the journey of the performer. I think there's shows at the moment um, like Australia's Got Talent and, and The Voice. These are people who are consummate professionals already. They're already out there doing the gig. There's something about Idol plucking someone from obscurity and going, all right, you've got a talent, you've got a voice. But we're gonna we're gonna shape it over the next two three months. We're gonna shape you as a as a performer with uh, the right mentoring and the right uh, the right help that we think you can be the next great pop star. Which I think that was the you know the kind of dream for most for most people when they went on the show. I think that's what I love most about Oz Idol. And also it's 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 about the performer and about their journey, not about the, the bickering that happens between the judges. And what happened after Idol for you? Was it a matter of sort of stepping from one stone to the next to sort of the next job in entertainment or were there times when it was sort of hard to find the right work? 
Uh, I think there's a whole bunch of yes and, yes and yeah. in the very beginning, which is great. I love that. Do you want to write an album? I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. So I got signed to, to BMG and they said, we want to release the album in the next month. I was like, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> I don't know how to do this yet. So I went away and wrote a bunch of songs with some really great Australian writers and American writers and uh, released the album the following year. Yeah, I had, I had a great time putting it all together. I did a tour. And then I think the album maybe sold like 30,000 copies, which is pretty good for first album. Yeah. Um, but, but then the record company was like, oh, it's not really enough. So we're going to drop you. So they, I got dropped like the year after, which is pretty sad. Um, and then I, my management didn't really want me to go going back to singing covers, like doing cover band singing, but that's all I'd ever known to do. So I went back laboring for about a year or so after, yeah, after Idol. So it was like a really big, Roller coaster, high, high highs. I just finished, you know, doing my own tour, and before that, we toured all the big arenas in the country, and then I was back labouring. So it was pretty weird. Like that's a real roller coaster, I think, for anyone at any age to have these kind of high-profile, spotlight-level careers where you walk down the street and everyone knows your name to doing the kind of ordinary work the rest of us are doing, and back again, and kind of bobbing between the two. But you were doing it young like I, I know you weren't a kid but you you were in your early 20s how did that yeah. kind of shape who you became do you think I think it was just that thing of who am I if I'm not singing or I remember laboring going there's got to be more to life than this like I I don't I don't know what it is but and I did that that overseas trip that everyone does let's find ourselves if we go overseas it can take you to or whatever but I traveled for for five months and um met some really great people kind of found myself or that version of me, um, which was great, and found musical theatre on the West End, saw some shows and went, oh, my God, this is really cool. There's some shows that are like I've got rock and pop music that aren't all Rodgers and Hammerstein and Andrew Lloyd Webber (laughs) that I don't really get or understand. And the people that I'd met in 2005, I did Grease the Arena Spectacular, Farnsey and Magda and um, Nat Bass, couple of incredible performers and I realised that this these people, this musical theatre family, they're just such hard workers but also they were really hard partiers. And I was like, I love the partying but I need to gain their respect so I need to learn how to work hard as well. So, yeah, I sort of vowed from, from that moment that after seeing Wicked and a few of those shows that I would, in order to, to get on stage and to be part of that family, I'd need to, to work really hard. So I came home and took dance lessons and singing lessons and acting lessons and worked towards my Wicked audition, which was another year and a half away. So I was going to wait a little bit longer to talk about musical theatre, but I'm delighted that it's come into the conversation earlier. <laughs> tell me tell me about a time where you were in your absolute element on stage. What song or what part was it where you just felt that electric feeling of this is what I am supposed to be doing? I felt it the other night. Like we just opened Chester Musical for the first big show back at the Regent Theatre in Melbourne after, you know, over 12 months of sort of lockdown and the dead arts <laughs> of last year. Um, so we're, we're back on stage and I had this, my heart was racing. I'm on stage going, what, a, what is this feeling? I've missed this. But I think it was doing Dancing Through Life every night for over two years, I think it was, during Wicked. And the character of Fierro, his opening song is um, about dancing through life. You know, you don't need to um, don't need to try hard. 
right? And that was kind of the ethos of the young Rob Mills. It'll just work yeah. out. Things just work out. Just keep dancing through life, guys. I remember every night doing that song going, this is bloody great. This is me. And then by the end of the show, um, Fiero's character had grown up. He found that thing that was most important and that he was looking um, looking after Alpha Bar, looking for um, ways to help others that, you know, other than himself, being less selfish, being more selfless. It was a really great journey that he went on every night. I mean, I'm only on stage for like 40 minutes or something, but it was a really good reminder every night for me to be a better person. And that two years of Wicked was basically that 40 minutes of me on stage every night. Does, does that make sense? It's a really yeah, good. It yeah. So I really grew up in that time, worked out what was important, um, how to be a better person, how to, how to work hard, how to maintain friendships and all that sort of thing. I, I, I learned so much um, from that show. Fantastic yeah. musical. And I remember sitting and watching you in the Australian version and feeling extremely proud of you in the audience. There's this story that Dicko, who's was one of the Australian Idol judges back in the day, there's this story that he tells about a young Rob Mills, you as a contestant, you before your year away finding yourself and your year of putting the work in to make musical theatre happen as a career. And he tells this story about you visiting the children's hospital to sing for the kids, but you were the only idol contestant who would do that without telling the media that you were going first. And he commented that even at the height of your very early young fame, you didn't lose that essence of yourself. And I just sitting here listening to you now, I don't I know you don't want to talk about Paris Hilton, I understand that, but <laughs> you sort of tell this arc of sort of, you know, lost boy, doesn't know who he is, doesn't have that sense of, of goodness in him but finds it. To me it sounds like you had it all along. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I think, I, look, I think I had goodness in me. I'm not saying that Fierro didn't have goodness in him. It's just uh, finding out who you are as a, as a whole person. I think that's probably what it is. We all have different levels of narcissism and <laughs> selfishness that, yeah. that, 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 that ebb and flow. I think it's just trying to work out what's most important. Tell me about meeting your partner, Georgie. Um, for the first time or just seeing her on the television? For the, oh, for, <laughs> uh, tell me about seeing her on television first. That's what I want to know. So I've moved back to Melbourne end of 2016 for Neighbours and I've been single and um, I think it was the start of 2017. I flicked on the TV and I saw this vision. Just smiley, cute, smart, great chat on the couch on the ABC Breakfast Show. And I went, who's this? I've never seen, like, I watch ABC Breakfast. I'm like, she's new. I've not seen her before. She must have just moved to Melbourne. Um, <laughs> I'll, quick, I'll do a quick Google search, found out her name, then quickly went on the socials, found out that we have mutual friends in common. I'm like, okay, great. I will send her a DM on Instagram and I basically said I know what it's like to be uh, new in a new town, um, but if you'd like someone to show you around, I can show you where the good coffees are. I'd love to take you out for a coffee and show you all things Melbourne. Also, not a weirdo. We have mutual friends. <laughs> <laughs> and what did she say back? She didn't, I didn't get a reply for a couple of days. So I was oh, like, oh, no. she's playing hard to get. That's fine. And then we messaged back and forth a little bit for the next couple of months and we still couldn't find a time for us to catch up. And I'm like, okay. She's obviously seeing lots of other people. I get it. She's, she's busy. She's, um, she's a uh, high demand. So 
I uh, offered her some tickets to a play that I was doing, Puffs, the play, which is a Harry Potter spoof, um, which was very funny and great to be a part of. The longest running play in Melbourne, I think, until Harry Potter actually opened. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. Um, so she came opening night, loves Harry Potter. Um, I was playing Cedric Diggory, obviously the very handsome guy from um, from Puffs. From obviously. Puff. And I played Voldemort in the second act. So <laughs> it was <laughs> very camp Voldemort. But anyway, she, she seemed to like it. And we uh, we had a little had a little kiss that first night we met after chatting back and forth for ages. That was our first sort of time of actually seeing each other in the flesh. And then day, daytime dating was probably the best thing. I think we've we've talked about this before, Dan. Like I think one of the best things about our relationship wasn't wasn't about late night dinners and um, drinking and lots of stuff. It was the sober dating, knowing that I'd pick her up from work and then we'd go and have a brunch somewhere and have a walk, get a coffee, talk. That's, that was our sort of courting process was just daytime dating. This is how you uh, have a love affair with a breakfast presenter. <laughs> you, yeah, you have, and, to, and, you have yeah. to do it in the mid-morning. Yeah, so she was working early mornings and I was working at nighttime doing the play for, for three months. So, yeah, crazy, hey. Do you think you and Georgie would have worked as a couple if you'd met 10 years earlier? Absolutely not. I mean, mm. she'd be underage. She'd probably be underage and I would be in trouble Okay, for that. right, like sli- <laughs> slightly less than 10 years then. No, she's nine years. We've got nine years gap. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I'd be the, the person that I am. I have to keep reminding her that I have had past partners. She's like, I don't want to know about it. I went, yeah. well, I had those relationships to become the person that I am now. So I think it's yeah important that I've learned to love and forgive and, you know, grieve, all that sort of stuff that makes you a better person. So at the beginning of this chat, I asked you about what people knew you for and what you wish that they knew you for. What's Mm. next for you? What does the next five, ten years look like? And what do you hope people know you for at the end of those? Um, I'm hoping storyteller. I feel like it's something I'm not great at uh, is storytelling. I'm okay as an actor and uh, singer and I try and tell the stories that, that way with text that's already sort of given for me. But there's something I feel like I keep, could get better at and that's telling my story and the stories of, of Australians. I feel like it's something we don't celebrate enough. So, yeah, I would say Australian storyteller is something I'd love to put down on my on the resume or something that people know me for. I had not thought of that before you just said that then. So I'm like, oh, well, that's big shoes to fill, Rob. <laughs> Yeah, it really is, but I like it. I like it. It's storytelling in different mediums. Rob, thanks for joining me on The Weekend Briefing. Thanks so much, Em. Great to chat to you. That's it for my chat with the wonderful Rob Mills. As he mentioned, he is currently starring in the musical Chess, which looks just extraordinary. It is a killer lineup of stars and singers and it will be playing in Adelaide in the second half of May. It will be playing in Perth in early June, and it will be playing in Brisbane in mid-June. You can get your tickets at chessmusical.info. Welcome back to The Weekend Briefing. I'm joined by the fabulous Tate McGregor, who has got a music recommendation for you this weekend. A new mini album is out by Alfie Templeman, who's an 18-year-old protege out of the UK. He has seven EPs, a mini album, and is working on a debut album, and he's still so young. Yet he's collaborating with a guy called 
Kid Harpoon, who is the mastermind behind most of Harry Styles' like big songs, Watermelon Sugar, Adore You, Carolina, Falling, also behind Shawn Mendes' songs like Wonder, and now he's working with this guy, Alfie Templeman, and his sound is kind of like 80s pop with like some 60s influence. He also really likes some progressive rock. So you're going to get a really experimental um, taste with Alfie, but go listen to his mini album. It's called Forever Isn't Long Enough, and it was out yesterday. Everybody's going to love somebody, but if it ain't you, then I love nobody. But Jam, what are you watching? This week, the first part of a three-part documentary series dropped on SBS On Demand, Tate. It's called See What You Made Me Do. And that is based on the book of the same name by investigative journalist Jess Hill. The series is examining what is one of the most complex and urgent issues facing Australia right now, which is domestic abuse. Right now, more than one woman a week is killed by her intimate partner or former partner. And this documentary examines the really fine lines that exist between love, abuse and power. It is really tough watching, I promise you that, but it is also really important. All I was trying to do was shut her up, you know? The story is always the same. He wanted to know her whereabouts at all times. And I just snapped, said to her, see what you made me do. Wow, yeah, it does sound heavy, but something that everyone should be educated in for sure. Can you lighten things up? Forest, hey, what have you got that can, can take us in the other direction? What can, what can we do to distract ourselves after watching that documentary? All right, here's the latest game at your board game night then, Jamila. Yes. Um, I've been really getting around Monopoly Deal. You can pick up this card game version of Monopoly at Kmart, Woolworths, Target, Big W. It's literally everywhere. And it's essentially Monopoly taken off a board game into a card game, not nearly as long as Monopoly, oh, which I love. That's the win. But equally as competitive and intense. So basically you have like your property cards, um, a bank, all this sort of thing. And the aim of the game is to get three property sets. But you can go from winning the game to absolutely having nothing within one round of the card game. It's going to break some friendships. I will tell you that. I love that. I'm a massive Monopoly fan, but no one ever wants to play with me because it takes 1,700 hours. <laughs> well, he sounds go. like a really good solution. Exactly. Tate, I have one more that's on the serious side today. So you and I are going to different ends of the mood spectrum. I would like to ask anyone listening who has some money available if you would be willing to make a donation to support the Indian population through the devastating COVID crisis that is affecting that country right now, you can donate through giveindia.org, who are a really reputable, established and large charitable organisation. Around 4,000 people are dying a day in India from COVID. That estimate is almost certainly wrong by up to tenfold because the numbers that crematoriums are registering in terms of COVID bodies that they are having to process far exceed the numbers that governments and hospitals are reporting. My great aunt Shaquilla lost her three-week fight with COVID a couple of days ago. She was an incredible woman and at a really personal level, I remember her always holding my hand, always touching my hair when I was with her. She was the woman who taught me to tie a sari very badly, but that was not her fault. And I just feel so heartbroken for 
so many Indians and so many Australian Indians whose family are there. And I think if any of us can do a little bit to help, it would mean a great deal. Yeah, an important note to end on, I think, particularly because as Australians, we feel like we're on such a tail end here when really it's the thick of it all over there. We forget about that. That's it for the weekend briefing for this week. Thank you so much for sticking around. Of course, we will have another weekend list coming up next week and we need your help. Kate and I can't watch, listen, do all these things on our own. We need your recommendations. We'd love to include them here. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode of The Weekend Briefing or The Weekday Briefing, then you need to follow us on all of the social media channels or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back bright and early on Monday morning where Tom and Annika will have the latest news headlines straight to your headphones. Listener.